Welcome to my basement, everybody. Hey, Vic, I, I, once again, I have that weird feeling that we're not alone down here. We're there's, not. There's somebody over in the corner over there. In you the see dark. Him? See his yeah. eyes? Yeah, They're his gleaming. eyes are glowing. Yeah, what yeah. is that thing? Beady eyes staring at us, wondering what the hell we're talking about. I, I think it's Dan Sochan from United Front Games. You're sitting on my Batman, dude. Uh, sorry about that. All right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> You're right. sitting on Vic's old Playboys. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, from 1959. <laughs> they might be a little sticky. Oh, <laughs> come on. Sorry. I'm going well, to move my seat now. I spilled coffee on them. All right. God, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? It's just coffee. Dan, welcome. You are the producer of Sleeping Dogs. You are also the first live visitor from outside of Greedy Productions to enter the basement. How does it smell? That's what people want to know. It's uh, it's got a very unique aroma, an interesting funk, maybe. Yeah, would you yeah. say those are Scott's farts? You know yeah. what? How, how many non-live guests have you had? Many. Oh, yeah, a couple yeah. of corpses. <laughs> yeah, many. They cut up good. No, yeah, we, we stick them into the table. We had Rob Koval on down here in the basement. Yeah, Remember he's dead that? now. Yeah, he's yeah. dead. Uh, no, the uh, do you guys think you could build Sleeping Dogs 2 in this space? Yeah, I mean, I can yeah. see you looking around down here, trying to take it all in. 100 people on your team, you could fit in here, right? No shortage of figurines is inspiration, that's for sure. <laughs> did did it take 100 people? Action figures. <laughs> I call Sorry. them dolls. Jesus. <laughs> they're dolls. No, they're not dolls. <laughs> you're plastic <laughs> dolls. You're both out of the club. That's it. Get your dolls. Get out. Are you an action figure guy? Uh, that means I, no. He's I, not. He <laughs> calls them figurines, for Christ's sake. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> your I mom give it away with my figurines. I collect action figures. Figures. Oh, I like figurines. I'm gonna start calling them figurines. None of my action figures are made out of porcelain. Okay, let's Stop get this shit with straight. Your oh my lord, it's gonna be a revolt. I'm gonna go get an army of NECA fans and and uh, right. hot toys Nobody collectors. Nobody knows who those, what those yeah, things are. Just me yeah. and my action figures. That's okay. They're my friends. So Sleeping Dogs is out, and uh, you guys have been on tropical vacations ever since. Is that right? Yeah, spending hundreds of millions of dollars. You've been rolling around on mountains of cash. It's like indecent proposal. You're like Demi Moore rolling around in your bed (laughs) with money. That's what happens, I wasn't sure which one I was going to be in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what happens? You you finish a a game like this, and then just buckets of money are poured on you? Because that's what everybody thinks. Yeah, no, not at all, actually. (laughs) The money truck backs up to (laughs) United Front. We've uh, got some money for you, Dan. Are you ready? We wish it was that way, Ed that's McMahon for sure. shows up with a check. <laughs> no, you know, basically the payments all get split up sort of equally throughout the project. So, you know, the end of the game is it's kind of the same payout as it was a few months earlier. So, yeah. um, Well, how does it feel? You've it feels shipped, good. You've shipped games before. Is it the same high to see something on store shelves and to see people talking about it on the internet? This is probably... Uh, the most exciting, if not that, this and Mod Nation Racers, so the last couple that I've shipped, uh, I think we just, there was a, a few mountains to overcome in, yeah. in development on both of them. Listen, and, I've told uh, a lot of people this, I don't know if, I probably said this on the show, but it's, it's fucking incredible what, what UFG has done. And, you know, I've been covering games for almost 20 years. No independent game studio in the history of this business has done larger titles as their first three games than you guys, ever. I mean, seriously, like to do a Mod Nation racers, completely out of the box thinking on being able to construct your own levels as quickly as you can, then to do an open world action adventure game like Sleeping Dogs, and then followed up with a, a Little Big Planet, which is kind of familiar territory with the carding and everything, but still the customization that you guys are offering in that is leaps and bounds over what uh, Mod Nation did. It's incredible. Like, you guys need to be recognized as like massive technical 
you know, achievers, because th- this is absolutely outstanding. When you word it that way, it makes me think we are crazy. You're crazy. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it speaks to the pedigree of the studio. I mean, it's all ex, uh, you know, um, rock star and, and uh, radical and electronic arts and black box. Some, there's some heavy talent in that in that studio. Yeah, we've been really fortunate. I mean, between, you know, the, the studios you mentioned, basically we had groups of guys who've worked together for 10 plus years. So they've kind of have come together, brought previous experiences from other studios and yeah, allowed us to make some amazing games right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, it, it, it definitely wasn't easy. There's been no shortage of blood, sweat, and tears, and a whole lot of overtime food, as my belly is showing. But oh, you uh, look good. You I do think look, you good. look good. In and, fact, Vic's mom's going to send down more meatloaf. Mom, <laughs> where's the meatloaf? <laughs> send She's it down. Coming. Dad's hungry. She's coming. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you I, know the question I want to ask though is: Is it obviously uh, we know? Uh, we know most of the story. We're not going to ever know all of the stories about what went into making Sleeping Dogs. It had one of the most checkered histories of any video yeah. game ever. Uh, four years it took, uh, and and you know a lot of times at the end of a game, people will list you know like thank you my wife, thanks to my dog, thanks to my lovely daughter. I mean I would guess in that four year span there were people working at United Front who got married and divorced. In that four-year span, is that is that possible? Babies, that were, born, Babies were born. Uh, I lost my hair. A lot of exciting <laughs> things happened during those years. Is Activision uh, kicking themselves right now? You think? You know, we've uh, the people, the context we had at Activision. We've had a lot of really cool, positive emails from them saying, you know, congratulations on the success. You know, really glad to see you guys hit it. Yeah, out of the they're park kicking and, themselves. And, Absolutely, uh, they gotta be. Come on, I mean, that could have been a out of the park smash for them. And now their true crime thing has to contend with Sleeping Dogs and this new brand and this new franchise that you guys have created. That's that's the hope that you know we've kind of changed the genre a little bit and. You know, it'll be interesting Too bad, to see Activision. Nah, nah, nah. You can't make any money. <laughs> so nah, I went, I went back to the game last night, you know, knowing that I was going to see you today. And I just drove around for about an hour. And I had so much fun just driving around. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at Hong Kong. And I'm looking at this city that you guys have built. And I just have to say, I've never been to Hong Kong, but it looks like it stinks. Like the whole game, I've never <laughs> seen a virtual city look like, like it's almost... Every busy city stinks. Almost, I feel like the we television talk- is giving off a smell. No, Vancouver doesn't stink, it's clean well, We here. have the ocean that just... Gastown uh, stinks a little. Yeah, we, 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 the ocean breeze washes stuff away. Yale Town smells like honeybees. <laughs> but it looks like it stinks, and, and you know, I'm just driving around, and the thing that I continue to appreciate, and the thing that I continue to find are, are, are these details that yeah. are buried in the... I, a game around. that is so detailed it looks like it stinks. I'm over by Club Bam Bam last <laughs> night, and if you played the game, you've been over by Club Bam Bam before. Yeah, and, uh, I and beat the shit out of a guy Club Bam Bam. There's a great car parked out front, and I'm looking, and there's these two sexy ladies, and they're just dancing. And these ladies got moves, and they're just dancing with each other next to this car, and I'm like... Who built all this? There's so much <laughs> shit in this game. There's no music playing. These ladies are just having a moment over there. Just and, and it, I, that is it is staggering. I keep finding yeah. more and more things. Every alley. I mean, it's, there are just so many intricate little details and nuances, and it does feel like the city's alive. And the, and the, it's so dense. And the the mobility that your character has is so different, and so it's not you know Assassin's Creed kind of you know climbing kind of mobility, but it's pretty damn cool, and it's beautifully sort of meshed into this detail, hyper-detailed world. You guys really knocked it out of the park with oh, that. Oh, thanks. You know what I think is probably the most fun for us now, kind of sitting back watching the game, is now the advent of YouTube, the videos that people are putting out mm. there are hilarious. Yeah. Like, just the things that people have found. So, 
because um, they're all I trying to break two, your game. Two best right? friends who who play games, and they basically found this windowsill. We'd never gotten up there, where a woman is basically dumping out water from her sort of patio onto the ground below. Oh, wow. They got into this, this sort of windowsill right by, in front of it, had Wei just in his underwear, and then they're talking about how Wei needs a shower and how hot he is and whatever. And just interesting ways of finding these people, you know, a drunk who's taking a pee behind the bar, and, you know, they'll go and dry hump his leg for a while, things like that, and just like... It's fun seeing those videos and then people sort of doing, you know, talking over top of it. It, I don't know, it's how they're enjoying the game, which is cool. I saw people talking about it being uh, sort of, you know, an homage or loosely kind of connected to the Shenmue world. Yeah, I saw that one as well. Did you guys throw in any Shenmue, uh, you know, connections at all? Did you do any tips of the hat to any of that stuff? Not not necessarily. I think a lot of us were big fans of the game, and so we tried to have elements of that, but... We weren't able to go nearly as deep on sort of the social side uh, as we would have liked to. Yeah. So I my, think- you know, my favorite part of the game is probably when you go back to your house, your apartment, and it's and it's this half coffee shop, half apartment building. And every time you walk in and out, there are these two women. They have their arms folded, and they're always engaged in conversation. And they're always talking about their sex lives. They're <laughs> always. Last night they were talking about how this one woman wanted to please her husband, and she bought all these oils, and she wanted to give him a massage, and she lit candles. And every time I go back, there's a new conversation. I'm like. Who the fuck built all this shit? <laughs> like you guys don't. I mean, you know, I've been to the studio. Like how? Like how did you guys add so much, so much depth to this thing? I mean, I'm still finding things, and I'm probably 40 hours into this. Yeah, I think that's kind of the fun part. Uh, you know, on an open world game like that, that we had everyone sort of separate into different cells or groups, basically. And so we had one group that's the living world group, and basically, you know, there's artists and animators and designers, and and they're placing all the people in the world, and they talked to the writer and said. We want to have these things. We call them sprinkles, which is a pretty odd name. Yeah. But I guess because they're sprinkled throughout the city. And uh, basically, it'd be people having these conversations that sometimes it would reflect what you just did in the mission. But other times, it's ambient things, talking about this temple in Hong Kong. Other ones, yeah, these these two women are constantly just talking about I their sex lives. And I actually wanted to transcribe some of these conversations and just have Vic and I maybe read back and forth. On the we end. should do that. <laughs> yeah. Did you bring a script with you? Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I'd like to hear you guys doing the one about the seahorses and how that helps their man get erect. That would be a great one. <laughs> They're talking about seahorses being an aphrodisiac. Awesome. It's incredible. How, how big of a script is it? You've got all of these really well-done cutscenes with great actors. I mean, you've got some awesome actors in this thing. How, how much writing had to be done? And I know one of uh, our, our mutual friends, Tim Carter, was a big chunk of the uh, did a big chunk of the writing for this. Yeah, story. I mean, Tim yeah. was a superstar and, and really helped kind of pull a lot of things together at the end of the project. Um, He's also the producer on the Mortal Kombat Legacy series. He's got a pretty good career going. This guy. He is one talented guy, and yeah. I think it's cool working with someone uh, like him who can come in, plays games like crazy. So yeah. he gets the game. He would sit there and actually play for a while and say. I'd like to hear more ambient people saying stuff like this mm. and then go and write it. And then we send it to Hong Kong, get it recorded. And, you know, it comes back like it's it's pretty slick. Did you work with a lot of, uh, you know, Chinese actors Did you send the script overseas quite a bit and recorded tons of stuff over there? So we did initially most of the recording in L.A. Yeah. And we found it just didn't come across as authentic, even mm. though they were uh, Cantonese speakers, that it often just didn't come across as well. So we switched it. And we actually did the majority of our recording all in Hong Kong. Cool. And so it, they were Cantonese speakers first 
some could speak no English, some yeah. could do some English. So it, it just felt that much more authentic. And I love how foreign the game feels. Mm-hmm. I love how even the radio stations, you know, you guys didn't go with like a top 40 kind of soundtrack. You didn't try to appeal to as many people it's as exotic, possible. It's exotic, And you let it, you really embrace the foreignness of yeah. it all. And I, I love that about it because every time I play this, I'm just like, I feel like I'm on vacation. Yeah, I'm on this crazy vacation where I might get killed any minute. It's so true. And, you, you know, we have a tendency in this medium, uh, you know, especially on the journalism side, to just kind of compare an open world game as if that's the genre to another open world game. And I think what makes these the experiences stand out from each other is really the world that's created, like Red Dead Redemption. It's not so much that it's uh, so much better a technical showpiece compared to a Grand Theft game, but it's just such an exotic experience. We're not used to having this much freedom with this uh, you know, type of storytelling, and I think that's exactly where you guys hit with Sleeping Dogs. How do you describe it? Do you say it's the it, it's Grand Theft Auto in in Chinatown, or what do you or, or in China? What do you guys say to kind of make the story around this game come? I to think life? that the game pitch that I've used probably eight thousand times, you know, over the hundreds and hundreds of interviews has been open world game set in Hong Kong, a gritty crime drama where yeah. you're an undercover cop taking down the triads. Yeah, which is is. Good, I guess, is to sort of sum things up. But yeah. like you were saying, the open world genre, it's interesting. Really, all it means is you can go and explore the city. Yeah. Okay, so that's cool. And that there's necessarily not a completely sequential order of missions that you have to do them in. Yeah. But if you want to have somewhat of a telling story, it has to be somewhat sequential. You so you, maybe you, yeah. yeah, you can you know maybe move around between a few different missions. But at a certain point, you're gated. You have to complete that one and then continue on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tired of perspective being equated to genre in games. Exactly. It's very limiting because you've got a gritty, hyper-violent crime drama that's, you know, very much an allusion to things like uh, The Departed or, or some crazy, you know, Scorsese films or, or John Woo films. Uh, but it's in an open-world setting. Right. But that's not a genre, you know? And, and that's exactly it. If we decided to make all of our missions be completely sequential, you had to do them all in order. But in between, you could roam the free world, check things out. Does that no longer make it an open world game? Or, yeah. you know, where is that? Yeah. Where does that description come? So for us, we just wanted to make uh, a really cool game that told an interesting story that gave freedom to explore the world. And like you're saying earlier, Scott, we wanted people to get a sense of a bit of the the stench of some of the parts of the, the city, get yeah. a sense of culture shock, and be surrounded by about 80 to 90% of the voice in the game is Cantonese. Yeah. So you're sometimes kind of surrounded by people you don't know what anyone's talking about. Which people are yelling at you because yeah. you near ran them over as you're driving on the sidewalk, I, I minding love, your own business. I love even the in the VO, uh, you know, it sort of goes back and forth with, uh, it bounces back and forth between Cantonese and English, and yeah. they even throw in Cantonese phrasings, and, and you see it in the subtitles, and it has it in the par- parentheses, and it just makes it all feel so much more authentic. You know, I want to talk a little bit about sex again because it's one of my favorite. I'm very good at sex. Right, right. Uh, you should get his audio cassettes. I have a VHS. <laughs> series how to have sex the right way but you can listen to the audio cassette series in your car i wear a robe yeah <laughs> yeah on the cover that's yeah. the cover it's me in a robe yeah. With, yeah. with the burt reynolds yeah. hair on the yeah. chest yeah. uh no i want to talk about sex because you know obviously hot coffee with the uh, grand theft auto uh, several years ago there was you know everyone discovered this thing where where rockstar was really pushing you know what you could do in this game and a couple of years later they have full frontal nudity in their games right and then you know obviously there are massage parlors all over the map in this yeah. game and i go to the massage parlor yeah, there's no massage parlor thing what happens is you just kind of disappear well you go in 
And, and then, then what we come back yeah. out and yeah. what? No, to describe it, tell us about it. What happens? Uh, what happens? We haven't been to those yeah, places. We haven't been He's to been Kong. married for twenty years. Yeah. So t- can you tell us slowly? In a in my smoky voice. Can you make yourself sound like a woman? Kathleen Turner, kind of husky. I'm doing the sexy leg cross thing for anyone who can't see right now. The basic instinct. Um, you backed away is what you're saying. You backed away. You didn't want a hot coffee uh, controversy around this? You know, we just didn't think that was an important part of the story to tell. Okay. So even with the dates, I think one of the things that we do look back at now, we wish we had had more time to do was push the dates even further. We did have more things recorded with Lucy Liu and Emma Stone, a few uh, subsequent dates to do to kind of woo them a little bit more. Yeah. And as you often have to do in games, you had to reduce scope a bit. And we said, well, what's most important? The things that are relevant Crushing to the, the triads, exactly, right. on the cop side of things, yeah. Yeah. or him hooking up with Emma Stone. Now, See, I know my priorities, yeah, and yeah, I know where well, I would have gone. Like, suddenly, yeah. yeah. We're veering in the wrong direction yes. in video games. We're, there it is, right there. Well, We've the, just discovered. We, We've we, solved it. We have become very good at articulating violence in video games, but we're, we're not very good at articulating lovemaking. Yeah. And it is. And, we Scott, need to, and Scott's lonely. We need to evolve. He's up in his penthouse. We, the lovemaking aspects of video games I, I, I a little totally bit. Agree. I could have used, I mean, that's my only complaint with Sleeping Dogs. <laughs> not enough lovemaking in there. Totally. Yeah. I remember yeah. playing the, the Heavy Rain demo uh, when I was touring with Mod Nation and, uh, and just picking it up and playing. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. But it was the whole scene where you are gone to the club and you're trying to seduce this guy. Yeah. So then, like, one of the mini games is me undoing my blouse. The next one's me putting on lipstick. Of course, the first time I look like a clown. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, this is weird. And then I'm getting up and I'm doing this sexy dance. And I was like, huh, I feel feel odd about what I'm doing right now. I'm going to go back to smashing but some I, guy I into a table saw. I think it's important for yeah, games it's great. to get into this, man. Like, I really do, without trying to sound, you know, cheesy or skeezy or whatever. I think it's... Like, we need to mature as a business. We need to as, get as to the point where one character in a video game can say to another, yeah. I love you. Yes. And mean it. Yeah. We are not there. And Well, you know, and the most resonant thing about Heavy Rain was the family dynamic. You know, the Jason sort of losing the kid was was unbelievable, right? I mean, I wasn't a, a parent back then, but I was affected by that. And I was affected by the... Uh, the joy that was presented by the family unit sort of working and then half, and then the misery that happens after it all sort of falls apart, that was, you know, an emotionally connecting thing. It was, you know, they had some uh, control issues and some design issues that sort of take you out of the experience, but man, that was effective. That was really cool. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. great to see people innovating, doing some stuff like that that's really different and, you know, good on Sony for saying, hey, we're going to take a chance on this and publish this title. So if you guys were to go with a sequel or, or go into this territory again. Do you think that's something that, uh, not that we want to put you on a, on the spot where you have to sort of promise, but is this sort of, you know, that mature type of storytelling, is that something that you guys as a team kind of aspire to do with more of this? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I think what we didn't want to have is sort of a fractured story where it's about way uh, being an undercover cop, but also buying property and becoming a slumlord while yeah. also, yeah. you know, picking up random girls all over the city. And you must have been designing to, to those specs along the way. We definitely did. I think yeah. you, you feel that challenge of back-of-the-box yeah. feature. Um, you know, one of the interesting things I think we've been asked is, you know, there's, there's no airplanes in the game. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, because awesome. most of the games I've played it in, it wasn't actually a fun experience. Yeah. Right. So for a check mark on the back-of-the-box, we could have put in a submarine, and there's nothing really you could do down there to see underneath the world. But, you know, and, unless there's strong gameplay built around it, why 
I don't know why we feel in games that we often have to like feature to feature compare. Yeah. I love well, that. I think that's a great point because you think about the Grand Theft Auto games, especially with San Andreas. Yep. You can do anything. You can go to the gym. You can gain weight. You can lose weight. You can play basketball. You can fly an airplane. It's like 95% of those things yeah. were fucking boring. Well, and they have to drive to them, too. It just takes forever driving to get was exciting. to the – Yeah, in this game, it's, it's super exciting. And the driving in some of the Grand Theft Auto games – Gets a little dull. San Andreas was pretty fun. It was pretty on. cool, but I love the driving in, in Sleeping Dogs. And that's the thing that I, I really dig about it is that you guys weren't afraid to go super arcadey and super accessible. And there is this kind of hooky addictiveness to every, you know, second to second piece of gameplay that you added. There's never not fun in mm-hmm. Sleeping Dogs, the way that you pick up the controller. I, I don't know if it goes to the level of depth as something as Red Dead Redemption or, you know, the the bigger budget Grand Thefts or something like that, but there's an, a, a real sort of connection to the control and to your mind to just have a good time. He's going to use the word uh, thumb candy it's soon. Got, there's a thumb candy oh, element to it. Oh, I haven't heard yeah. that before. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's thumb candy. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with Vic about the driving. You know, I especially like the fact that you guys make us drive on the wrong side of the street. I yeah. mean, for us, it's the wrong side of the street, of course, for the, for the Chinese. To drive buses the right filled with bad guys to go beat up other goons. I love that. That's yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> missions is, is when you take over the bus service yeah. there because you really get a sense of how people live there, that or, there is this sort of illicit bus service that, that you kind of have to rely on to get to and from work every or day. Or leaping from a motorcycle onto an armored car and shimmying along and knocking the driver out and stealing the armored car. It's awesome. Yeah. It's super fun. He is the badass, this guy, Wei Shen. He's, he rocks, man. It was, it was challenging to make, you know, that character. We went through a lot of different iterations on, I think the second last iteration we had of Wei, of he's twice as beefy and, and thick and he's way more of like sort of a badass and we're like yeah. you know what that we just didn't feel like we had that sort of emotional connection yeah. with him and that you really do feel for him later in the game when he's losing friends and, and struggling with sort of morality and, and his loyalties and getting his ass kicked a lot i yeah. feel for him yeah. right at the start when yeah. dog eyes comes out and he's like oh your sister give yeah. me a blowjob yeah. <laughs> you know like what so like, nasty yeah so yeah. Na- and i'm yeah. like i cannot wait for him to fuck that guy up and God, do things get fucked up. I mean, people really die in some severe ways. I mean, uh, I forget the, the guy's mom. Yeah, Wallace's, Mrs. Chu. Yeah, is it Wallace? Winston. No, Winston's mom, yeah. yeah. She's brutal. Yeah. But you guys go to some dark places. When, yes. when in the sort of development did you guys decide we're going all out with the way? I mean, it's violent, this game. It does not pull punches. It doesn't pull punches. I think we try not to be excessively violent just for the sake of it. Like, we yeah. don't have people sitting there spurting blood for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, so, spurting blood, but for short periods of time. It, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nanoseconds just of Just two blood spurts, spread. and then we're done. <laughs> done. Five spurts is too many spurts. We get in there, we spurt, then we're up. <laughs> <laughs> That's in my lovemaking series. Yeah, right. VHS. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It's eight-track tape. I got <laughs> but, you know, we, we tried to, I think, portray what it would be like to be an undercover cop with the triads and you're fighting for your life, if they tell you, go chop that guy's arm off, hey, if you don't do it, either one, your cover's going to be blown and, and they're going to bury you alive, or two, well, maybe they're going to chop you up in, in return. Yeah. So Lots of knife play, lots of hand-to-hand weaponry. Guns are sort of pushed to the side a little bit, and when you do get them, you are almost invincible because you're able to leap and shoot and go on a slow-mo. That's, I mean, that's pretty damn badass. You give us a little Max Payne, you give us a little Batman, you give us a little Grant. We initially didn't have any guns Yeah. for the first couple years of development because we didn't think that was... That's not very common in Hong Kong. Yeah. And uh, we eventually felt like to get some missions, the intensity 
rising and you can only get surrounded by how many, you know, 30, 40 enemies and all of a sudden it's just, they can't even fit on screen yeah. uh, if you're just taking, a, taking them out one by one with the cleaver. So we decided to add in the guns and, uh, but we had to try and do it delicately and you rarely get a gun in the open world. So it's not driving around and mowing down innocent civilians often, Yeah. at least not with a gun. What's your favorite element? What are you proudest of in this game? Uh, you know, I, I think the combat is obviously, it's really fun. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's the closest I've ever felt to like a martial arts hero. You know, Stranglehold had elements of that. Uh, some other games, uh, you know, have done a good job. But I think we kind of pulled it all together with things like jumping from the motorcycle onto the car, to the free running, to the combat. But now looking back, I think it's some of the subtleties in the game. And I love that people picked up on them. One of the missions that's about sort of three quarters away through, it's called Bad Luck, and you go and you mess with this, this guy's sort of feng shui in his apartment. <laughs> and it was a mission where you've just done, like, there's, you've been machine gunning and, like, you know, there's um, cars blowing massive, up all yeah, over. massive explosions yeah. everywhere. And then all of a sudden now you and this guy, Old Salty Crab, are, are going in and breaking in this guy's house and <laughs> smashing some vases and changing the time on his clock. And we even had internal discussions about, oh, is this going to feel weird, the pacing, the timing on it? And we finally said, no, we want to break up some of the action. That's been some of the, the biggest missions called out, and everyone loves Old Salty Crab. Awesome. You know, <laughs> I've had direct emails to me saying, like, we want more Old Salty Crab in the game for DLC. Know, Make it happen, Sochi. I love that you get the, the United Front flavor, because I know some of you guys, and I've been to the office, and I've met you guys and spent some time with you. You have some of the, the sen- you guys are funny, and that you have some of the sense of humor in this game, in this very dark experience. The humor really offsets the darkness and brings a lightness to the game. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite aspects is that if you buy a Hawaiian shirt in the market and you wear it around, you'll get charged double for everything because everybody <laughs> thinks <laughs> you're a tourist. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Like they're, they're, and you, know, you guys don't knock everybody over the head and say, hey, here's the funny stuff. You just kind of leave it in the game. Either people will find it or they won't. There is a, a surprising assuredness to this that I don't think people were expecting. You know, And it was also a terrific treat to have this in the middle of the, one of the worst gaming summers I can remember, you know? Which worked out well for us, I gotta how, say. How does Square nice. feel about you guys? Are, are you guys already rapping with them about more? Or what's, what's, the, what's the word? They've been fantastic to partner with us. They've yeah. been really kind of, you know, thinking outside the box with some of the, you know, bringing in George St. Pierre as a consultant, working with Tyler Stout for the artwork on the uh, box, which I absolutely love. Yeah, it's something we would have never come up with. Totally, we would have done the traditional action shot, jumping off a bike, explosions, and some sexy girl in the background or right. something. Yeah, and uh, they've really thought about these things and, and tried to bring a unique perspective to the title. So they've been awesome. They're really happy with uh, how things have turned out for the game so far. The sales, uh, you know, the ratings and, and reviews we've been getting. So. Uh, we're working on DLC. We've got six months of DLC planned and some really cool stuff because I think what I'm excited about the DLC is we can break even further from the kind of gritty crime drama and have a little bit of fun, play some homages to some other popular, you know, Hong Kong uh, films or nods to those types of films. Cool. Are we getting uh, more real estate to move around in or is it all going to be based in the uh, in the areas? A bit of both. Yeah. Yep. So we've got a few different big DLC packs coming down the pipe in the next six months. And yep. one is going to be taking one of the areas and just kind of flipping it on its head. Awesome. And the other one will be a whole new area to sort of check out and explore. I know. Did you? Oh, sorry. I know at one point you guys were talking about multiplayer. What, what, uh, how did that go and how did that stop? 
and uh, when did you guys decide that single player was going to be the thing? Multiplayer was kind of thrown around back and forth yeah. uh, a bunch of times early. It got killed pretty early on, then it would kind of resurface its head after another little while. But uh, I think everyone sort of agreed, um, you know, publisher and, and everyone at UFG, that it's just too much to take on. Yeah. If we're going to do it, we want to do it well. So we, you know, instead, multiplayer is so tough to get right. I think Red Dead did, you know, but it's really a hard thing, man. It really is. So we kind of said, you know what, let's leave that for future projects. And uh, I love the stats challenges. Like, I think that's, it's a fun little quick thing to do in the open world. And I've been already challenging some of my friends who's got the longest wheelie, the most crotch shots, you know, that whatever it's going to be, you know, that kind of stuff, I think is, is pretty fun. Now, I know you guys uh, spent some time in Hong Kong, and you yourself spent some time in Hong Kong. Uh, do, do you uh, have any fond memories, any uh, things you guys still talk about, moments, Kodak moments? You know, uh, I think probably... Well, I know I could see your face, and you thought of something, and you pushed it aside, then you thought of something else and pushed <laughs> it aside. Safe for this, uh, this podcast. Yeah. This is Everything a safe place safe down here. Everything is safe in this podcast. Six moms safe can't hear us. Yeah. No, she's, she's upstairs. She yeah. can't hear anything. Making the meat love. That's right. Uh, you know, I think it was just sort of soaking all in. First time I'd ever sort of been to Southeast Asia and, and you know, or any part of Asia. And uh, I think kind of the highlight would probably be meeting with the triad. So it, it was one of the, the writers on the project, Jakob, who went and actually sat there in this room with a couple of triads separated from, from everyone else in the group. And I think just the lead up and the excitement and anticipation of it happening and then the excitement when the door opened and he still had all his limbs walking out was was probably <laughs> how a high. Do you, how do you get to sit down with yeah. triads? You put an ad on Craigslist. Like, how do you make that happen? A, a contact it's a we had in Hong Kong for all the media out there. Yeah, <laughs> there it's so much more sort of like ingrained in society there that it's it's not as hidden as it would be here. But I guess you know you see specials about the Bloods and the Crips and they uh, yeah, talk and the to mob. gang members there or, or sure. even like the mob. mobs. Been, and they uh, want to be mythologized. Entertainment for years. They all want to be mythologized. Totally. Like mobsters right. learned so much from the Godfather. They didn't know how to behave before the Godfather. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. How has the uh, Asian gaming community responded to Sleeping Dogs? They don't have their own you know, stories written about, uh, you know, Asian culture that often or Asian heroes sort of presented on the front of the box that often. They're loving it. Um, yeah. I mean, we the game's still coming out in Japan soon, so yeah. um, you know anyone checking out the podcast from Japan, the game is on its way. Awesome. Uh, we just passed submission for consoles, so that's awesome. Is it awesome. selling in China? Uh, what, like a legit? People version? are playing it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many are actually being sold there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been great. Actually, there was an article today on on Kotaku, and it yeah. was about uh, the authenticity. It came from an interview I did with CVG, yeah. and how you know we tried not to play up stereotypes there's a lot of things that we actually planned to do and then afterwards checked and and you know did some fact finding and said oh that's not the way it's actually done in, in Hong Kong that's just what we've seen in movies and film yeah so we went against it and there's just a long series of comments underneath people commenting and making note of how authentic we really were oh that's sweet and that's kind of cool like people were like I'm in Hong Kong and yeah. they got it right all these things and they're like this one little thing was incorrect but the color of the cabs, the you know, the, how the street workers look, everything was like spot on. So, how about the dialogue? Because there's obviously uh, you know a, a, a big English-speaking community in Hong Kong, and you guys have got uh, English dialogue throughout this with some heavy accents on there. Did you guys sort of try to 
make sure that you weren't, you know, making fun of people, that there was a sensitivity there, but it was also authentic? Yeah, so we brought in a couple people from Hong Kong um, who are fluent in English as well, yeah. who not, did nothing but uh, review the game, every single bit of signage mm-hmm. and all the dialogue for four to five months mm. to make sure that it was authentic and even just checking translations. Sometimes when you send it over to a translator, they don't understand what the context is right. of the expression or right, saying. Right, right. So it could be a little literal. Mm-hmm. So they went through, fixed all of that up. And uh, yeah, we, we really tried not to play on any stereotypes. It feels that way. Like the whole game feels that way. And this is something I look for and I find only in the highest quality games. And, and that is everything in the game feels considered. Yeah. Every moment, and no matter how throwaway it feels, even the two ladies dancing by the car alone, everything feels considered. And you, and you feel like you're being taken care of every step of the way. And there's this an sort intelligence of, behind there's it. An inte- yeah. Right. There's an yeah. intelligence behind the whole virtual world that you guys have created. And I think uh, gamers really respond to that. Yeah. Yeah, you must be must be getting some really nice fan mail right now. What's the nicest thing that people have said so far? I'm actually trying to think. There was an email uh, that a guy sent directly to, to UFG, and uh, Fraz, our, our recruiter, he kind of checks through all the, the general emails that go to the studio, and he sent it out to the whole team, and it was just this really, really glowing email about you know how they sort of followed the production right from the beginning. He's from Hong Kong, uh, but spent time in the U.S. as well, and... He was really disappointed when it got canceled, super excited when it came back. And he just kind of went through the game and actually gave like very thoughtful comments, feedback. And it was just, it was a very well-written email. So kind of one of those things that it wasn't just like, this game rocks, I can kick ass and smash heads. What do you but do with those? Do you print those out and put them in a frame and hang on to them? Because those, those, are, those are incredible moments. Yeah. You know, I do actually, like I'll keep all those in an inbox. I had received one once when I was working at EA on NHL. And it was a handwritten with crayon letter talking about how much they love the game and, and you're putting cute. themselves in the game. Yeah. I've kept that one. That's awesome. always probably, I, probably I think from Vic. <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah, it was. Signed Victor Lucas. Yeah. Do, do, you, um, uh, do you guys plan for ancillary media now? Like you've got this fiction, you've got this hero, you've got these characters, you've got this world you've built. Do you guys sort of think, okay, well, the sales, like if it hits a number, is that when you start talking a comic or that, that when you start talking about a movie? You guys have I've been thinking cinematic. some live action stuff. I've been, you yeah. know, training a little bit myself. I think I could star in it. Yeah, you're going to be yeah. a dude? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm being serious. <laughs> is, is there, uh, you know, are you guys thinking of extending this out? You work with a movie producer. They just yeah. make the game, that's all. No, I know, but it's theirs, right? Yeah. You guys yeah, own it, We right? would love to. It's yeah. nothing we've really talked too seriously about yeah. at this point. So yeah. I think the live action trailer looked amazing. That surprised a lot of people, too. It surprised us. Yeah internally that was again one of those things that square brought to the table and said hey this would be really cool yeah you know why don't we do a live action trailer like mm, in games that usually comes off as really cheesy or, or people are going to look at the live action trailer and then look at the game and go that doesn't look exactly like that yeah and they got know, the tone man. Th- they got the tone they yeah. the characters they got look identical to our characters in our game which had already been in development for you know three plus years which was insane they rebuilt uh they built a bar they built the part of the kitchen to match our game identically. That's awesome. It was really cool. So yeah, that, I think the, something like that had us thinking about, like, hey, I wonder if there is any potential here. You tweeted the boardroom of uh, Square Enix in uh, London, and yeah. it had the Sleeping Dogs artwork all over. That must have been pretty cool for you. Yeah, that was really cool. That was the end of the PR trip I, I did uh, during the Olympics. Yeah. 
uh, I was there doing some speed walking, and then I decided I'd hop in and do a little bit of PR for the game as well. Walking. How'd you do? How'd you place? Uh, 85th. Okay. Go Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> speed walking to the tube because yeah. you were late for your interview. Yeah, more I like get, it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, walking into this room and then all of a sudden seeing this massive conference room at you know at Square Enix, you know headquarters for Europe, and it's branded with your game everywhere. The artwork looked beautiful. It's, awesome. It's a pretty cool feeling, so I took a bunch of photos and immediately sent it back to the team. I know. I've actually been up to the United Front Games office. I've been one of the chosen few. It's like going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory it's up there. It's so beautiful up there. And it is one of the most beautiful. Op- we visit a lot of developers, yep. and, and the, the offices in Yaletown are, are amazing. But I know that you have these visual cues on the wall. There, there are five different paintings or four different paintings that are symbolic and emblematic of, of moments in the game, the spirit, the heart of the game, really. Uh, one shows the running kind of through the crowd, and one shows the fighting, and, and you see uh, William Lee or, or you see Wei Shen doing all these things. What's going to happen to those paintings now yeah. that basically we, the production we is— We want them. Yeah, we, can, can they, we have they'd them? look good in the basement. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, hook you, I'll hook you guys up <laughs> with some. No, seriously, yeah, what, what, what are you funny, do we actually them? had a ton, like way too much artwork that yeah. we could use that were printed out. Uh, you know, we had up his paintings and posters on the wall. And we raffled them out amongst t- members on the team. Awesome. And, you know, had some of the artists and concept guys who had worked on them to actually sign them. And it's it's pretty cool when, I think, members of the team are fans as well. Sure, sure, yeah. So we just got signed posters by Tyler Stout and uh, the guy who did the box art for the game. And I think there was like 400 posters sort of made, and he'd signed each one and numbered them. And everyone all of a sudden is like, they were 10 years old. There was a massive line, all of us standing, you know, at a reception to get our, our signed copy of, of this poster. That's when you know you have a good game. Yeah. Right? And, and, when I think, you're and you're team, proud of it. Yeah, it wants to line up and grab all of that I know stuff. you also had some cutouts, some life-size cutouts of Wei Shen, uh, William Lee as Wei Shen. And uh, I know Veronica Chang, who is uh, one of the prominent uh, immigration lawyers here in, uh, in Vancouver, she actually took one home and she showed me a series of photographs that she'd taken of him just in their home, like sitting at their breakfast table, <laughs> in bed with the kids, all over their whole house. It was amazing. That's that awesome. is hilarious. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. You haven't seen the photos? No. It's crazy that Square yeah. Enix now is going to be a company that this whole generation of gamers, they have this RPG history, both of those companies do. You know, all the Final Fantasies and Dragon Quests of the, uh, you know, different ages. But now it's it's Deus Ex, it's Tomb Raider. They're making some good Sleeping moves. It's Sleeping Dogs. It's Hitman. Sure. It's very interesting, right? Yeah, and they've got some really cool titles. I think being at E3, you're just like, wow. Yeah. You know, they, they've got it's some amazing stuff. Not the Square Enix of old, no, which was yeah, all exactly. just like Final it's Fantasy. Is it a man? Is it a woman? Totally. You know, that's all it was for a long time. Did they push <laughs> any Final Fantasy characters in? Did they, <laughs> did they want you to have, like, Cloud show up in the No. Room? No? Okay, no. that's good. No, there, there was definitely no, no push there whatsoever. <laughs> so what's uh, what's happening in Vancouver, Dan? Why are all these studios uh, closing up and, and uh, moving out of Vancouver? And what, what the fuck is can going on in the city? Can we just keep going and pretending yeah. this isn't happening? Can yeah, we just can yeah, we like not talk Vancouver about it? Vancouver was the can mecca for I know, game development. It breaks my heart. What's happening? What do you think? <sighs> what do you think? You're in, a, you're in one of the last bastions of uh, major independent studios. He's on the studios. front lines. You really are. Like, it's probably UFG's one of the only... North American indie studios out there right now. Insomniac's out there. Yeah. Um, we're, we're largest in Canada. Largest in Canada. Developer, yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're probably among top few largest in, in North America as well. Yeah. You know, I think times are tough. The whole industry's a little bit topsy-turvy with, you know, going to the next consoles, the economy being down, yeah. moving to the next sort of model with uh, online distribution and, and downloadable content. How is it going to change things? 
social gaming, iOS, you know, all these things, it kind of feels like how things were with Napster, you know, sort of 10 years ago in the music industry, I was managing bands kind of on the side in those days. And every A&R department was like, well, unless you can sell 50,000 albums yourself, we're not interested. We're like, well, that, that's why we're coming to you. We can sell like a hundred. Yeah. We're, we're hoping you're going to help us get to 50,000. And uh, so I think everyone's just a little tentative right now. Challenge Vancouver I th- is that our incentives just aren't as good as Ontario's and Quebec's. Yeah. So we're losing great studios, great developers, like, you know, Rockstar Vancouver moving up to Toronto, Ubisoft. Um, Propaganda, I really hoped was going to be kind of a staple here and, and uh, have more Disney growth happening in the city. So, is there a, you know a, a way to reverse this, or is this just the way it's going to be? We can lock down the city and not let anybody yeah, leave, like uh, Arkham. Yeah, lock yeah. it down. Let's make it just like Arkham. I was city. thinking Simpsons, the bubble that would work that as would, well. We'll have a yeah. five-month bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bane will bring. You have five months, Mister Wayne. Diffuse my bomb. So uh, is, I mean, is this it? Like we're just going to lose all these awesome people and studios, and we're just going to have to deal with it? It'll just be UFG and EA. You know, I hope not. I really don't... Uh, I mean, that's it now, isn't it? Jesus. Uh, it's next level. Next level, yeah. We've got Relic. Yeah. Uh, they just moved, actually, up the street to from our office in Yelltown. Right. So, I don't know. I, I hope the trend starts to reverse. I mean, we're seeing lots of, like, small indie developers popping up, which are actually mostly guys from these other studios that are shut down and yeah. started up their own thing, Yeah. which is great. Um, I think BC has got to step up and match what the tax breaks that we're getting from Ontario and Quebec, it's double yeah. in both those provinces. So yeah. as an independent, or especially if you're, you know, Ubisoft and you're like, Hey, well, we've got two studios. One, we have tons of open space in this massive new office we built and we can save 15 to 20% on every employee because of the tax breaks. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Even the, you know, I have just have to say this as, as a medium, as an industry, even the week that Sleeping Dogs is coming out after a summer of nothing, really, Darksiders 2 comes out at the same fucking time. <laughs> same like, day. why make people choose for in yeah. the same week? Why do yeah. this to people and say, hey, I have $60 to spend this week. Is it going to be Dark? We I mean, Darksiders 2 or Sleeping Dogs? about this the last show is that it's always a, a tale of how much they can afford, you know, and games are only consumed because... Uh, you know, of people's budgeting. They, yeah. can't, they can't just get both because they cost too much money. And that seems like... Why a, do we put people in that position? It's such a ridiculous way to, you know, grow this medium, yeah. you know? It seems so backwards. It seems so, you know, forcing people into making these really tough decisions. And, like, this is... Sleeping Dogs is a game that everybody should play. You guys have got it out on three p- consoles. You've got a really wide berth, uh, you know, that people can get access to this thing. But because the way the industry is set up right now, you have to you spend 60 bucks. And, you know, it came out at the time when someone's got to choose between that or Darksiders 2 if they, if they don't have an unlimited amount of resources to spend on games. Yeah, well, the demos just come out this week. So I'm hoping that that'll give some people who have already spent their 60 bucks, maybe somewhere else, the opportunity to play the game, get familiar with it. And yeah. then, you know, a couple of weeks, the next paycheck comes in, you get your money for your allowance, your mom, you know. Pays you for dusting the house or cutting the lawn. That Do you, you think games should cost 60 bucks? Yeah. yeah, I think they should. Yeah, you know, and, and based this on is, this is coming from someone that actually works his ass off to make them. Yeah, I, I think the challenge we have, thinking back to the most, I remember the day Super Mario 3 came out. Yeah. And that was the most expensive game at the time, and it was seventy nine ninety five. In Canada. In Canada. Yeah. And... I'd, you know, saved up my money to buy this game, and now it's crazy, fast-forwarding, 
20 some years, well, like probably 25 years or whatever it would yeah. be, uh, that games are the same price. Yeah. Yeah. That was made by six people in, right. in Vic's basement. Yeah. Versus now, <laughs> there's, there's 200 it's a well, of us. Tra- well trafficked base, a landmark <laughs> site. <laughs> Me and Motor used to be down here all the time. <laughs> yes, okay, that's true. But what's also true is that the medium has been, uh, you know, grown. Mm-hmm. And there's lots and lots of really wealthy executives that have taken big paychecks and fly around in private jets and have property all over the world, earning money because they've kind of played this system for a very long time. And the other side of it is all of the magic that used to be impossible to figure out in the way that these games were developed 15 or 25 years true. ago, that's no longer true. Now you have, again, six people in a basement making blockbuster games that sell for two bucks. And they've got you know lots of tools and lots of technology that's off the shelf, that's available to them for free, and developers are rising all over the damn place. So now it's not a question about like, you're building something that you know, people can't see the seams anymore on. Everybody understands how this stuff gets made. And the other side of it is there's way more competition for people's time, not just with games, but with every other form of entertainment and you know media that we can get to our fingertips so quickly. So I think it seems, counter uh, to growth and counter to sales to sell at the same price that we used to have. You know, it's like CDs went down as they became more and more pirated and as they became cheaper to buy as, as MP3, you know, albums. Right. You know, CDs had to go down. And I think games have to go down. I, I don't disagree. The challenge is that as developers, our margins are razor thin and getting worse. I mean, that's why we're seeing a lot of studios closing is, was it it Obsidian? Who, they didn't get their 85 minute critic. And so they ended up having to shut down their studio because they didn't get their bonus. They ended up with, I think it was 84.5. Well, how is it fair that these executives at publishers, and I don't mean to be pointing fingers and go on a witch hunt here, but how is it fair that some of these guys make, you know, a million plus in salary? You know, how is it fair? I mean, you guys are the you guys are the magic. You guys are the ones that build these things and, and actually let their businesses survive. I mean, I think, you know, it's very equatable to the 1% discussions that are going on all over the place. You guys represent the, the, the industry, and you shouldn't be, and every independent company out there that's contracted to build this stuff, struggling to be able to do your art while, you know, people that are supposed to be out there marketing and, and running these major companies take home hefty paychecks and don't have to worry about the, uh, the you know, the layoffs that are faced every day if, in the, you know, the companies that actually build this stuff. Uh, you know, I don't feel the industry is that excessively bloated. I think it was yeah. worse 20, sure. 15, 20 years ago where you were seeing literally guys all flying to E3 on their own private jets. Yeah. Um, or the Atari years when everyone had hot tubs in their offices. Yeah, yeah. 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 Watching some a, of the other old like Atari, you know, the nostalgia video games. I forget what it was. There like. was an infamous quote, and it was from an acclaim executive back then, um, who, who said, "I could put shit in a video game box and sell five hundred thousand units or something like that, or a million units." And it was quoted, and it went all over the damn place, and you, that led, I think, to the uh, to the company's downfall. That and a lot of, you know, they actually did do that. <laughs> they actually did publish a lot there of shit. Dog shit. Yeah. yeah. So, so you don't feel that, that there are, you know, executives at X publisher that are making too much money and maybe should think about cutting their salaries and give, sharing that with the Dan developers. Dan doesn't know the economics. You know, like, well, I mean, he's, he's right in the middle of it. He's got t- I, team I'm members. Sure there, there are some people, like a couple guys who are, but, you know, I know a lot of people pretty high up the ranks at, at a lot of game companies who are making 
decent salaries and nothing nothing exorbitant. And right. these guys who've been in the industry twenty plus years, guys who used to, you know, run PR for for Nike for other places and have moved over to other right um, now video games industry, and they're well, this often is, took you know sometimes pay cuts. Well, this is a valuable conversation because the. You know, even even at our level, even for for us sitting in our offices and putting these shows together, we think about you know the, where the dollars and cents in video games are going, and I think there is this, you know, perception. You see Bobby Kotick behind a desk, and Bobby, I'm not trying to put a target on you. I'm, you know, I'm just you know he's he's a very big, colorful mm-hmm. figure in this industry, and you think that guy's taking millions and billions of dollars home every year, and is is he or another executive at that level worth that much dough? You know, and he I just, was great I, in Moneyball. He was a terrific actor. But I just, I'm, I'm tired of gr- good game companies closing their doors because I know how difficult it is, and you know how difficult it is, to put those people together, to work together in a singular direction to finish a project and ship it. You know? Yeah, I think that's a challenge that probably a lot of people don't realize is sort of unlike film where you say, hey, I've got this great script. Okay, here's the director I'm going to get. Here's the producer. And yeah. now we're going to build our team from that. Game studios, the whole challenge is we have to you know work together day in, day out with tools and tech and everything that we developed. everything. Yeah. yeah, if this studio breaks up today, you know, to take to build another game like a Sleeping Dogs would take right. another four plus years, but you keep this same crew together, we've got all the tools and tech, we can really build some amazing things in the upcoming years. Totally. Because, you know, the band's together. It's but, so fragile, right? Yeah. I mean, it, not only that, but it's just the egos and the com- communication sort of balances and stuff like that. I, I, like the pandemic thing always gets me. The fact that EA bought pandemic and then a year and a half later, they're all out of work and they're all, that just, that breaks my heart. I yeah. mean, that was a fantastic studio. We still have not seen another battlefront because of that debacle. You know, I mean, it's just, it's awful. We've been trying to figure out a way to celebrate some of these shuttered uh, studios on the show, but not do it in a way that's morbid and And bring everybody down. And it's really hard to do. You know, we want to talk about studios like Pandemic and talk about their incredible achievements like the Saboteur. Yeah. You know, God, I love that game. I would love, I mean, there is a game that absolutely deserved a sequel because of all the talent that built that incredible, you know, different experience and exotic experience. If they had a chance to go back into that world and tune it and make it even better for this, that would have been an amazing game. Sleeping Dogs 2. Yeah. Dan Sochan here in the basement. Is it happening or is it not happening? Go. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the maybe. Okay, I want to talk about positive things. I want to talk about uh, you guys are obviously... we got to let Dan's got to go. His ride's here. No, I know he does, but he's got to tell us his favorite games that he's playing right now. What are you you grooving on? Sleeping Dogs. Well, obviously. Darksiders 2. (laughs) Obviously. I already spent my money on Sleeping Dogs. I couldn't (laughs) afford Darksiders. Yeah, you could only play one. Um... Ah, these days, you know, I actually have been playing a lot of mobile games because I've been on the road right. an absolute ton. Yeah. Um, oh, now I'm on the spot. Yeah. I'm gonna, Look at your phone. I'm going to freeze up. Yeah, yeah. that's a good call. It's all, it's all good. I'll pull it up right here. Scott will sing while we're doing this. Go ahead, Scott. I can't because anything I want to sing, we'll have to get the rights for. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Dan, you are the wind beneath my wings. Make sleeping dogs too. <laughs> <laughs> His name was Victor. <laughs> he had a basement. <laughs> Not really so much a game, but one I've been playing a lot of is Song Pop. I don't know if you guys have checked that out. No. I don't know what it it, is. it plays it. like a short clip of a song. Yeah. And you have to press the button multiple choice as quick as you can to try and figure out what band it is or what song it is. Yeah. And have categories. So, like one hit wonders, modern rap, 
uh, old cool. school hip hop, whatever. Yeah, and Sounds then awesome. it challenges yeah. your time against a friend's. That's cool. Right. Do you guys play like you're all playing these things and sharing them internally, right? Yeah. The the, the birth of the ninety nine cent uh, time suck that has happened with iPhone games. Do you play some of these things and go, fuck, we should have come up with that. Damn, we could have put that idea out there. Yeah, or, I think or... Songpop was definitely one of them. You're like, wow, that was really easy and <laughs> yeah. obvious to do. Zynga snatched that one up. Yeah. Uh, but you know, one of the other ones I actually have been playing and been loving is Army of Darkness. It's oh, like a, yeah. the, tower the Tower Defense. defense. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we liked we, that we one really a lot. We had yeah. an era when we were both really That was that. a time yeah. suck. Yeah. Because of all the quotes and clips and it stuff. It was just yeah. great. Yeah, it was like re- reliving the movie, but also kind of different that I could upgrade my player, but at the same time also upgrade my defenses, Yeah, mm-hmm. which was kind of a nice twist. And not just passively sitting back and watching the tower defense, but going in there and deciding which enemies I was going to run up and shoot with the shotgun. And Yeah. Okay, we've uh, we are gonna lose Dan, but I don't yeah. want to lose him without we pimp a little bit about your uh, UFG's next game, Little Big Planet Karting, and obviously the cynical out there are just gonna say, well, that's just fucking Mario Kart with with uh, sack boys on it, but it's you know it's, you, you work beside those guys, you came off the Mod Nation team. What is Little Big Planet Karting? Little Big Planet Karting, I think, is is really sort of the evolution of Mod Nation Racers and Little Big Planet itself. So. Where we started out was, you know, evolving what we'd sort of worked on with Mod Nation Racers, you know, bringing it into the little big planet world uh, and really sort of embracing that beautiful environment that sort of like everything feels like it's made out of crafts. Uh, but it's we've kind of taken it really to the next level. What you're able to build now with the editor, it's more advanced even than, than Little Big Planet too. So you can have like your, it's like as, you're flying through and it's like asteroids or you're, you know, it's like Sky Fox and you're flying in this 3D world. You're like, well, where's where's my card in? Like, where, where's that whole world? So it's not even carding. You, it's, yeah, it's any 3D game you guys kind of want to do. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. we, we have you loosely harnessed to the cart and just about everything, but yeah. what you're able to go and, and build out from and, there. And that's different from LBP2 because most of those experiences had to kind of stay the 2D, two and a half D, 2 yeah. and a half D. Now you, have, you can go, you can build a 3D game. Yeah. Crazy. It's uh, It's been pretty intense, so the guys are, are close to wrapping that up. and uh, I mean, that's fucking nuts, man. That has never been done by an indie studio. That's never been done, period. You know what I love when you visit UFG is there's always that floor you can't go to. Yeah. And the floor <laughs> that you can't, you haven't been able to go to is the Little Big Planet karting floor, yeah, and yeah. now we know that it's the Little Big Planet. Yeah. But I want to know what the next secret floor is yeah. for UFG. I think it's too soon, right? It's uh, there's there's a secret floor you're maybe starting. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. so exciting. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's been great. Thanks for being on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the muffins, Dan. Anytime. Yeah. No, this is uh, it's awesome, man. I think you're kind of uh, you're a hope for game developers everywhere that still believe in uh, a beacon. Yeah, controllers and awesome graphics. Uh, you know like triple-A entertainment in the video game space, it's cool stories, cool customization and creativity, uh, and independence, you know? Like, there, there's, you're one of a few now, you know? And Jesus, I, this yeah. is going to look great on your resume. Did you hear that? It's a ringing <laughs> endorsement it, it, from well, Victor Lucas. Just, no, bringing I, tears I to my eyes. I people to, uh, <laughs> to support it, man. I mean, we were talking about this before. Like, if we, we can't see awesome studios like this disappear and it, the way that they don't disappear is we, we support their game. And it feels that way. It feels like a yeah. strong wind could blow our whole well, industry down. The, the message is, is loud and clear all over this business. There's lots of great you know developers that have been shuttered and, and left in the, in the dust 
and it's just insane. Man. So do the industry a favor. Do Dan a favor. Do United Front Games a favor. Go buy Sleeping Dogs yes. right now. Buy two copies in case one breaks down. Well, you're yeah. going to want to share it. Yeah. Get, There's no multiplayer. They didn't have any fucking money to make a multiplayer, so you got to share it. You <laughs> exactly. Get it. <laughs> That's how you get the stats it. challenges against your friends. <laughs> yes, and give it to a friend. Absolutely. That's right. I'm going to go buy it for Vic right now. Okay, and I'm going to buy it for you. And I'm going to need a copy for your mom. She'll love it. My mom will love it. So Dan's ride is honking like crazy. He's got to go, man. Hopefully they'll drive better and, and, uh, you know, through traffic a little better than the characters. And on on the correct side of the road. Well, the North American side of the road. Yes. The North American side. Dan, awesome to have you, bro. Thanks, Uh, Dan. Pleasure to see you guys as always. Now get out of here. Thanks for listening to Vic's Basement, everybody. If you uh, like what you hear, don't be uh, scared to uh, rate us if you're listening on iTunes or wherever you can rate us. We like five uh, stars. Yeah, subscribe if you like. And... uh, Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.